0: A rich tradition. college football podcast is now
1: live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stetonpole, two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you, my friend?
0: Man, I'm doing great. had a had a nice. Kind of relaxing, yet a little busy weekend with uh, the little man. We just left our church, and they had a foam party for children outside. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Also, got a pretty bad storm going on around us right now here in Kennesaw. So we're going to try to record this and not have to worry about the power going out. So, but I'm doing good.
1: Fantastic. It's hot down in South Georgia.
0: Oh, um, I bet.
1: And uh, so that's been pretty exhausting. I think we've had close to 98 all weekend long. The humidity maybe not quite as bad, but it's definitely been hot uh, here in South Georgia, as it has been throughout many parts of the country. Very, very warm. So ready for, ready for that fall weather to come around here, hopefully soon.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm so ready for fall. And and not that fake fall, you know, that, that'll come here for like a week and make you feel all nice, and then it
1: goes spikes again. I'm talking like true fall. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you can have true fall without fake fall. And you that's, fall that's in fair. love with fall. With <laughs> fake. You fall in love with fake fall, and then fake fall steals your heart and runs out true. on you. It's true. So, Spencer, tonight we don't have
0: – I don't think we have any, really any news to cover but I do believe that we are we're just previewing the Pac-12. I mean I'm sorry, the Big 12.
1: Yeah, Big 12 uh previews uh this episode and so Rob do you want to start at the bottom or the top or how do you want to get started with the Big 12? Well, let me uh do my thing. I normally
0: pull up before we start these. Um forgot to pull up the wind totals page um let's start at the top I, I think I think we've got a really good system going on here but we're not gonna have like a 30 45 minute conversation about news t- tonight before we start recording which I think it's 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 Sunday has the, has that other has that other episode gone up yet uh, it will be okay so by the time y'all hear this uh, uh, you'll, you'll by the time you hear hear this pad no big ten will have already been up uh, been uploaded Ah uh, this week we are recording tonight on Sunday. we're recording the big twelve um, and then on Thursday we're gonna be recording um, ACC. We're trying to get all trying to get all the conferences done and everything before uh, the season begins. And also Spencer, I mean, I th- if I'm not mistaken, we're actually gonna this whole uh, announcement that we had a couple weeks ago, we're gonna be joining we're gonna be joining Dog Central this week like, um. the either next the next episode will probably be up on Dog Central, which I'm really excited about.
1: Yeah, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be pretty busy here coming up uh, pretty soon. So we're uh, we got a lot to get to here as the season's only three weeks away, Rob. Whew.
0: Actually, actually, we're less than two Saturdays away.
1: Is, okay, is that... yeah, because we got football that the week of the 26th or something like that. we, do. we, we?
0: have Notre Dame, Notre Dame uh, Navy, I think. Vanderbilt, Hawaii, I even think USC is playing. Um, Week zero. Yeah, week zero. But anyway, um, Spencer, so we're going to do the Big 12. The Big 12 to me, like just real quick before we jump into the teams, were were there anything that jumped off the page, anything that like kind of as a – do you have like a through line for this conference, You know, like a narrative or just something that kind of popped off to you while you were – Pre, pre, uh, getting ready for these
1: teams? It feels like there's only three teams in the Big 12 that are kind of you know, in a solid spot and looking to have some momentum to go forward. Everybody else seems to be in sort of a, a microcosm of the league as a whole from an outside standpoint. Big 12 is doing everything they can here over the last couple of years to just try to hang on. With the loss of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, there is this scramble to just try to maintain as much as you possibly can. And it feels like there's a lot of that throughout the conference individually. Oklahoma State trying to just maintain, you know, and figure some things out and hold on to their position. TCU, maintain and hold on to their position. Oklahoma You know, lots of things to figure out and try not to lose too much ground. Uh, It feels like that is a theme for everybody with Texas, Kansas State and Texas Tech, maybe all being the teams that feel like they've got momentum going forward and have something to really shoot for. Everybody else seems to, you know, just be hanging on for dear life.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, for, for me, I, I think that's a good point. For, for me though, it it felt like this is this is the first conference coverage that we did, and rightfully so, it's because of the changes that are coming or the changes that are happening this year. It's the first time that this conference like this is the first conference that doesn't feel the same. It it does it feels it feels new. Um, and that's because, you know, four teams are being added. We're actually going to get to talk about a Texas Tech team that is actually incredibly talented. It, you know, um, it, it just does feel like a different kind of conference this year. But uh, anyway, all right. So, so the first first group here, I, I think I think is pretty pretty easy to start with, and that's that's the Texas Longhorns. They're they are a lot of people are all over Texas this year, and, and I think for, you know, good reason in a lot of ways. Uh, excuse me. They have uh, CBS Sports has their over and under at nine and a half this year. They, they they go to Bama. I'm just trying to think of their big games this year. They go to Bama. They go to Baylor. Um, of course, they got Red River. Uh, they've got BYU, Kansas State at home, and Texas Tech at home, and they go to Houston and, and TCU. Uh, when I think of Texas Longhorns, like it really comes down to this: Can Quentin can can Quinn Ewers be the guy healthily all season? And that to me is how they get the over. If Quinn Ewers is able to stay healthy all season and be the guy, I think they're going. I I think they may end up going eleven and one. The the thing that I think will keep them from this, though is the 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 defensive side of the ball not upgrading the way it should can like if their defense does not take any step forward they're going to be back They're they're going to be back at eight and five like they were last year so that's kind of where i came down on texas
1: yeah um all the hype everybody's very excited i think everybody's been waiting to pick texas to win this conference even though it's Actually, not happen. I don't know if you caught that on the uh, cover three podcast or not, but they had a conversation about how, over the next however many years, last however many years, Texas has not actually been picked to win the league. That this is the first time in several, several years that they're actually being picked uh, to win the conference. So, um, but it definitely feels like every year we go in thinking, okay, where's, you know, is Texas going to? Uh, you know, catapult off of all of this hype. And I agree with you. I think if they're going to get that over a nine and a half wins, it's going to have to do a lot with Quinn Ewers and this offensive line that they've been touting for, uh, for a long, long time. Cause obviously Quinn Ewers is only going to be able to be as good. That receiving group is only going to be as good as the offensive line in front of them. Several of the, uh top teams in the playoff last year had uh you know impressive offensive lines so Texas in the offensive line along with Quinn Ewers will be a big piece to Texas hitting the over i think they will go under if they let the alabama win or loss affect their season too much one way or the other. If they beat Alabama in week two and get big headed and think that they've arrived in this whole Texas is back thing and they let that seep in and they get too cocky, a Baylor, an Oklahoma, a Kansas state, a TCU, somebody, Texas tech, even they've got to face those uh, all of the big boys, the other, you know, top teams in the, in the conference somebody's going to end up catching them and, and having them slip up a little bit. So, and even if you lose to Alabama in week two, you still have a lot of the season left out in front of you and you don't want to let that ruin in your mind ruin like, Oh, we we're already off to a bad starter. We're already off to, you know, here's the same song, second verse kind of deal. You don't want to let a win or a loss to Alabama in week two swing you too far in either direction, knowing that there is still so much more of the season left out in front of you. Yeah. If they do let it affect them too much one way or the other, I think that could be a recipe for the under. Okay.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I will say this, though. I think that if they don't – I think if they don't go, if they don't go ten and two and win the conference, like it, you know, I, I really, I really think that's the bar ten or two, 10 and two, and you don't win the conference. If they don't do that, I think you have to let Sark go, and you have to start over coming into the SEC. Because wow, that's a bold statement, Cotton. I, like I, I really, I has, and it's really like I actually think Sark could be a good coach. But he's never had, he's never had double digit wins. He's never had a he's never taken a team for like, I mean, he did a great job at Washington, and that's why he got the USC job. But and and I don't want to speak to what happened at USC negatively, but like even as a coach there, like it's not like it's not like he was astronomical numbers. I, I just feel like you've got Texas who's got this big money, They've got this big ego. Or you know they've got to, they want to prove that they belong in the SEC. If you go into this year's conference and you have the schedule you have, and you can't go ten and two, you probably like. I'm just thinking. I'm not saying that he deserves to be fired. I'm just saying that it might be smart to fire him and just start anew before you go in. Before you go into the SEC, that's where I'm at. Yeah,
1: yeah. I see what you're saying. And I also think an argument can be made that you don't want to go into the SEC anew, you know, you, you, you don't want to go in uh, to that conference and be sort of starting over having to play the likes of who they're going to have to play week in and week out. Um, Barring, of course, some sort of, you know, astronomical letdown. You don't want to be in a, I think you can make the argument that you don't want to be in a brand new situation going into the SEC either. I, I guess I don't know. I
0: I uh, I don't know. I, I understand
1: I, you mean that yeah. Stark has a, a big opportunity to prove some big things here, or at least establish something here. And that if he can't accomplish this ten and two, then what's he going to accomplish there? I, I get that. I see where you're coming from.
0: Okay, all right, Spencer next. I'm on. I'm on. I'll let you start, sir.
1: Yeah, so nine and a half is the win total. I think they won't get there if these offensive struggles with Jeff Levy at the OC position, as well as as well as Ooh. Dylan Gabriel at the uh, quarterback position if if they continue to not have things figured out on that side of the ball. Dylan Gabriel continues to be hesitant with the run game like he was when he when he came back from his injury. You know, those kinds of things I think will lead this team back into struggling. Oklahoma has been an offensive, you know, guru for the last for the last like 20 something years. Since you know, bringing on Bob Stoops as their head coach, so it's it's got to be on the offensive side of the football that you know, Brent Vittables has got to make some significant strides again uh, with Dylan Gabriel or whoever the quarterback is, if it's Jackson Arnold as the number two guy, if he steps into the role and takes off, whatever it is, this offense has got to get back on track. And if they don't, I think that could hold this team back from their uh, hitting the over. Um, And then back on the other side of the ball, if they do go and get to the over to 10 wins, I think it's because this defense takes a turn uh, on their end. You're going to be facing just a handful of the better offenses in the league you've got an opportunity on that side of the ball to really come through and have uh, the pieces together, finally get everybody playing the way Brent Venables wants them to play, and Oklahoma having a pretty good defense for the first time in uh, many, many years. So I think they can get to their over if they hunker down, play the right kind of defense that they want to play. And obviously the offense uh, you know, has some sort of, uh, identity similar to uh, what they've had before in the past.
0: So Oklahoma was the enigma for me, like one of the enigmas in this in this conference. Because I'm going to start with the negative first. If they don't hit over nine and a half wins again, I, I think their schedule. I think their schedule is so doable this year. Um, more doable than Texas, obviously, because they don't play Alabama. But I kind of like I kind of put this straight on Brent Venables. If they don't hit over nine and a half wins, it's because Brent Venables isn't the guy. They have talent on this roster. They have talent. They have the coaches. They have a quarterback. They they have two quarterbacks. Jackson Arnold is a dude, and like it's expected that he he actually. I mean, I don't know if he's actually going to steal steal snaps from Dylan Gabriel, but I do believe that if they get any kind of decent lead. Uh, you know, of double digits or more, they're going to start putting Dylan in early to get him playing time to get him, or Jackson Arnold, getting him in and getting him uh, ready for, to, to play. Um, I just don't think there's any excuse last year. I can understand it. Hey, you're kind of reeling from what, from, from, you know, your coach leaving and taking, taking the Heisman quarterback and taking your best wide receiver. Like I understand that. Okay. However, this year, Again, with the schedule you have, and you know, and Venable's kind of being a little arrogant at media days, taking shots at Deion Sanders, which I don't understand why people are taking shots at Deion Sanders. The man ain't done nothing yet, um, good or bad. Uh, but he does have this like arrogance about him. If he doesn't do it, I think it's because he's just not the guy for Oklahoma. And again, they may want to move on. Um, but if they do do this, if they do go over nine and a half win, Spencer. I think it does co- go back to the quarterback position, like you were alluding to with offense. You've got Dylan Gabriel. You've got possi- quite possibly the best quarterback from that class, and Jackson Arnold from last year, coming in. You have guys to throw to you. You play a type of offense that kind of should be wide receiver proof. Like it kind of doesn't matter who's playing wide receiver. Like because of how much space and the tempo that you play with, like you should be perfectly fine. So I, I kind of that's that's where I came down with Oklahoma. I really think it comes down to the quarterback play to to get them over the mark. And if they don't, I, I think it's solely on Brent Venables because his defense was atrocious last year. And again, I'm going to I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a year. But if it if it comes back again and they're like this, man, I like I just you, you really have to start asking that question. At the end of this year, more so like back to my thing about Sark, if both these teams underperform and neither of them hit their nine and a half win total, I I'm obviously I'm leaning more towards Venables being the one fired and replaced than I am Sark. I mean, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, both schedules, I understand what you're saying. Both schedules are very, very advantageous. You're yeah. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you you're only playing Texas you're missing out on Kansas State, you're missing out on Texas Tech and you're missing out on Baylor. So I mean, you're missing out on a large swath of the of the top half of the conference. You do have to play uh TCU and Texas, but you're missing out on a on a large swath of that top 6, that top half of the schedule or top half of the conference. So yeah, I mean, you got to be able to come through and capitalize on the fact that you've got Cincinnati, UCF, West Virginia, BYU. You really do have to cap- capitalize on all of that if you're Oklahoma in uh, in year two with Brent Venables. So, uh, yeah, no, if uh, um, if they hit this win total, it's gonna a lot of it's gonna have to do with that schedule.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, next is. A team that I really like this year. No one's giving them like there's not a lot of talk about them this year. I mean, you can disagree with me on this if, if you've heard more talk about them. But Kansas State, your your Big 12 champion coming into this year. They they come in this season. Um words, I lost track of thought. Uh coming in with an eight. Their 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 win total is eight. They return eight starters on offense five on defense uh they return like they return will howard who who comes in as a junior um they do lose deuce vaughn who i who like i mean it's just awesome and and they're gonna they're gonna miss him a lot they they're they essentially lost their top four pass catchers if you include deuce vaughn um spencer but for me i think that they're able to to get over this eight win total if they just continue to play that kind of bully ball downhill football. I like I'm looking at their con- I'm looking at their uh, their their conference or their conference, their their schedule for this year, they play southeast Missouri, they play Troy, they play at Missouri, UCF, at Oklahoma State, TCU, Houston, Baylor, at Kansas, Iowa State, at Texas Tech, and, and at Texas. Like there are some losable games in there, obviously. But Spencer, I I really do kind of think that this team, the way they play football and the way they play this like kind of like almost ops, triple option offense from the shotgun which just kind of works so well. I do believe that this team, the way they the way they get that 8 win total and over is just by continuing to play that uh, that kind of abusive type of football. A lot of people are forgetting about them because they got smoked by Alabama last year, which he was a pissed off Alabama and there and there no one sat out the bowl game. Everyone played. Of course it was going to happen. Um but here's how here's how I think they don't do it. They don't do it if Will Howard, if Will Howard kept being replaced last year by Martinez because he's just not the guy. Like it just seemed like every time Martinez was healthy enough to go on the field, they would put him in and take Howard out. Um, and so I kind of am leaning on this like notion of what if that's for a reason, what if they didn't believe in Howard to fully put, put it together. So like, that's just kind of where my doubt is. My doubt is a little bit on Howard for this year. If, and I'm not saying you can't, I believe Kansas state could do it again. I think they could win the conference again, but I really kind of think that if they don't, it's because of Howard's maybe lack of development, um, as a quarterback,
1: so, was not Marti- Martinez was the starter last year.
0: And Correct. Only – and Howard yep.
1: got in because of injury. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that might have been a lot of why they kept kind of going back to Martinez. And, of course, Martinez helped out with that. Uh, can, I, can, I,
0: Mar- can I clarify what I yeah, mean I was about just
1: going to say – Yeah. Yeah, I Go was ahead. just going to say in that fourth game of the year, Martinez sort of, you know, runs off some Martinez magic and beats mm-hmm. Oklahoma 41-34. So, I'm sure they – Sort of don't want to give up on him from that standpoint. Um, you know, as, as if he's healthy, we, we would like to try to go with him as much as possible. But I do think they go with Will Howard for a good portion of the second half of the season, including uh, the championship game. Go ahead. I think, I think, no, just what I meant was
0: like, it, it just seemed like Martinez would be still limping in, in a couple of games and they would still put him back in. And and I understand that that's a starter thing, but I I kind of just I also took it like, well, do y'all not trust Howard? Because the kid was a sophomore, you know, it's not like he was a true freshman. Um, but you're right. I mean, Howard played great. I I have nothing negative to say about his ability. I, it was just weird how they did that. That's all. Um, what about you, Spencer? What what kind of your breakdown on them?
1: You remember the movie Watchmen?
0: It's my favorite combo movie. Yes.
1: There you go. So there's a it was on the other day and there's an interesting uh, part where they've got one of the characters in prison and he's a real psycho kind of character or whatever. He's one of huh. the good guys, actually. Rorschach. Yeah, Warshak and Rorschach. And he, um, he he's in line in prison with a bunch of people that he put in prison and they're going to shank him in the kitchen or in the lunchroom cafeteria. And he forts it, of course, and, you know, fends off the guy and beats him up or whatever. And then at, he, he says to the room full of people, he goes, you guys seem not to understand. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. I get a feeling that Kansas State is in sort of a <laughs> similar position. They're that, looking around.
0: That is the best. I'm sorry. That is the best analogy I've ever heard you come up with. Keep going. I'm sorry.
1: They're, they're sort of looking around the rest of the cafeteria with Texas and Oklahoma leaving and, you know, everybody's ready to come after Kansas State now as sort of the big dog, them and TCU. And Kansas State's just like, yeah, you know, bring, come on down, ladies and gentlemen. Come on down if you want to. Because like you alluded to, their, they're, you know, bully ball kind of uh, style of how they want to play is going to go a long way, and they're very ready, and, uh, you know, they've embraced that. Um, the development of the head coachings, of the coaching staff, Chris uh, Kleinman, is really top marks as well. I think right there up with, with what Luke Fickle was able to develop at Cincinnati. And, of course, he had a long time of being able uh, to do that. So I think yeah. the development of the program really had me thinking all of the question marks. I feel good about this staff filling them in. But will they, or the way that they do get their eight wins or more, is that FSU transfer running back Trayshawn Ward and the veteran offensive line that returns everybody from last year picks up where Deuce and the offensive line left off. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, obviously a fan favorite. Um, uh, You know, reminds you of Darian Sproles. Again, just sort of a guy that, not only was very productive on the field, but just became a fan favorite because of how productive and his style and being the small guy and all that stuff. So it's going to be tough to, to see him go. But I think Trayshawn Ward, an FSU quarterback, uh, running back transfer, is going to be a guy is, uh, just as capable behind that big offensive line. So as long as that side of the ball doesn't lose a whole lot of steam, then I think this is a team that will go and, and do the things that they want to do. Defensive attrition is where I have the won't uh, make their eight wins. Uh, but again, I feel really good about them answering this question. Five defenders are returning, but all five are really quality guys, including uh, their two linebackers that are coming back from last year, uh, Daniel Green and Austin Moore. Uh, Austin Moore was the leading tackler uh, for last year. So I feel really good about them. Kobe Savage is another guy uh, at the safety spot that should help that back room come along with some of the pieces that they lost. So they have returners at each level of the defense. Those guys should be able to do a lot to keep everybody coming along. The coaching staff does a great job developing. So while I have that as my want, I just kind of felt like I had to choose something, and so that was what we end up choosing. Um, in that defensive attrition room, um, perhaps that be the that is the thing that holds them back a little bit. But yeah. again, I feel very good about the answers that the coaching staff and the leaders on the field uh, bring to the table.
0: Can we can we just take a second and just talk about how? incredible Deuce Vaughn was
1: just, yeah, I mean, you like, yeah. like, like I'm uh-huh. looking at his
0: stats. He had, he had over, over fifth or, or I'm sorry, over 1600 yards rushing. Um, He had over 350 yards receiving with three touchdowns. He had 42 receptions, 293 carries for this team. Just the dude did it all. The dude did it all, and like I mean, I, I think they could be okay. I think they could be fine, but I just like I I don't I don't know how you replace a Deuce Vaughn. You know, not not a, not out of just talent, but just the versatility that he was able to bring to that team. I just wanted to have a moment of silence for uh, Deuce Vaughn because the dude was awesome.
1: Did you Lord, literally? How have long silence? was this moment? <laughs> And I was going to say how long this yeah.
0: but do you agree though like i mean just that that's he's just a really hard player to replace
1: I think from, certainly from a you know a, a team leader kind of heart of the team kind of deal yes absolutely i think the offensive line that they have coming back and obviously Trayshon Ward along with uh what's the other kid's name that's there uh they've got another guy as well uh DJ Giddens that i think are going to be two guys that can combine to go a long way to helping the production aspect of that, but yeah, from a from a heart leadership standpoint, yeah, you're um, you got a big shoes to fill there on offense. Maybe a Will Howard or a um, what's this wide receiver's name, uh, Philip Brooks, mm-hmm. uh, or you know every member of that offensive line that's returning. Maybe those guys will go a long way into um, into making that up. From a leadership standpoint.
0: All right, Spencer. The next one is on you, man. You get the national champion runner-up, TCU Hornfrogs, Frogs, which is still so weird to say. Not TCU Hornfrogs, Frogs, national champion runner-up.
1: Yeah, Texas, uh, Texas Christian. Seven and a half is the over and under for um, these guys. They're they've lost a lot. A lot, so much, so to, much, <laughs> yeah, and and all of it being Deuce vaughn like leaders and 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 heart of the team. Uh, Max Duggan, you can make the argument was that a toughness guy that put his shoulders down, played hurt, uh, played through. I think a broken foot, and you know there were all other kinds of cool moments of watching him try to will his team. And in that, I think it was in the conference championship game that he just was. Every single thing you could think he was trying to do to to get his team through, he was was coming through on one leg or not, so Max Duggan is gone. All three of your leading rushers, which includes Duggan, are gone. Your top three pass catchers are gone. And then defensively, you do return seven people on that side of the football, but offensively, you lose a lot of people and – you got to imagine if they don't hit that seven and a half, the attrition on that side of the ball is going to catch up. I tried to do something a little bit more specific instead of something kind of wide ranging like that uh, for uh, for TCU, and it has to do with their schedule. While we talked about Texas and Oklahoma having to face kind of uh, you know schedules that are going to be a little more um, advantageous to them. Texas Christians got to go on the road to Iowa state, who I think will have another good defense, but they also got to go on the road to Kansas state on the road to Texas tech and then Texas the following week at home on November 11th. And then they've got to go on the road to Oklahoma. So four of their road games are against the top five teams in the conference. That's, if those are all losses, that really creates a thin a thin, you know, margin of error for Texas Christian if they're going to try to get eight wins through the rest of that schedule. I think it could be possible, but it would be it would create a lot of, you know, it would be really difficult to make that happen. Um, they're filling some of those voids offensively with transfers. Chandler Morris is a guy who has had success, but maybe it's only been about once in this offense, so there's still plenty of question marks around him at quarterback. They've replaced the wide receiver room with a lot of transfers, including JoJo Earl from Alabama. Um, So I I think the won't has a lot to do with their schedule. The will has a lot to do with their transfer class making up a big difference on the offense. All of those transfers in the wide receiver room and, uh, and even the running back room as well that should play a huge role for them offensively this upcoming season. Trey Sanders is also an Alabama transfer that is in the backfield for TCU this upcoming season. So um, top 15 transfer class will definitely uh, should help them maybe pick up one of those one or two of those difficult road games. And then that would uh, obviously create an opportunity to get back to eight wins for TCU. This is a really nice number, seven and a half, a really nice number for the over because I think I think the over is very possible there if uh, if the defense can hold its own. So, I I, thought, I think that was great. Everything you said, I.
0: I, I need. It. I want to go back. I should. I meant to do this, and I, I'm. I'm gonna try to do this. Um, maybe after even we hang up. I want to look at win totals for the losing team in national championships the year after they lose. I want to see how many teams have had huge drop-offs the way TCU did. No, I mean their their win total. I think was like five or six going into the season. But I'm talking about like how many games they did win compared to the uh, the, the win total the following season. Um, I I kind of agree with you. I, I think this is this is obtainable, but I, I think both things are connected together. One, the way they do this is if they don't get caught up in close games like they did last year.
1: Yes, very good.
0: Um, I, I, I and I say don't. I don't think they will have the senior leadership. The maturity that they did last year to come in and win those incredibly tight games—I mean, I think one of those images from last year that will, is ingrained in my mind and just something I'll remember is the the the, the field goal kick with no time left. Right? Okay. Is them subbing everyone on, getting set up, and kicking it with time expiring. It was just such an incredible moment for their season. But I just don't think you can do that. You can live by that. I, I you know one season is fine i do, i don't think you can continue to live that way but for me the 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 way that they don't hit this spencer it, is really just kind of a i think this is fair to say they don't hit the over if they're not able to overcome the attrition of talent they lost yeah. they lost five nF I, I think they lost five five top 150 players in the draft uh, that's a lot of talent to replace on a TCU level team. I'm not trying to be insulting to TCU, but they're just not known for being, for, for having that. And so for them to have that this past year, which is incredible, the, the reason why they won't is because of the, that they just were not able to replace the talent they lost. That's why I got yeah, no, uh,
1: yeah, no. T- TCU is not necessarily a high-ranking, recruiting juggernaut kind of team. Yeah. So they um, could
0: be one so day. To, you know. Yeah.
1: So to lo- lose a lot of those guys, uh, I think you're right.
0: Um. Okay, Spencer. So now we have who I believe. Like I-, I had a really hard time with this team. I don't know if you did as well, but it's the Baylor Bears. I, I had a really hard time with them. Did did you have any trouble with them, or was it kind of easy for you?
1: No, I uh, I did. This was sort of the start of, and and I think Texas Christian is sort of the start, um, but Baylor definitely the start of kind of we're sort of searching. There's kind of a what feels like a grasping of straws. We don't really have, you know, a lot of great answers. Uh, for a lot of these pl- programs, or uh, a program like uh, Baylor, uh, Blake Shapin is a quarterback that's done some nice things, but he's also not done some nice things. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a little weirded on on Baylor. Obviously, uh, a Big Twelve championship, and then you know they go 0 and 5 against AP top 25 this past season. Um, so it's kind of hard to to put your finger on Baylor right now.
0: So for me, I, I think it comes down to um, them getting over. Is can Blake Shapin lead this team in a positive way offensively? Like, it, it really kind of does come down to Blake Shapen. This past year, he had over twenty-seven hundred yards passing, but he had and he had eighteen touchdowns. But he also had ten interceptions. You you can't you can't have that kind of like separation or that that little separation between your touchdowns and your interceptions especially when you're playing in a conference or you're playing a schedule like last year that did not give you much in the margins you know they lost. They lost to BYU in double overtime. They lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to West. They lost at West Virginia last year. They lost to Kansas State. Got thumped by them. They lost to TCU by one. And then they lost to Texas at the end of the year. That they just w- did not have the best showing, in my opinion. Uh, especially coming off that twenty-one uh, season. Uh, tw- you know, coming off being in the title game the year before. I, I think getting there, getting over that six-and-a-half win total is, is kind of on their quarterback. And then and then the reason why they won't, man, is if they – it falls back on – I think it falls back on their offense. If their offense cannot produce, if they're going to turn into this, like – I'm not trying to be this insulting, but I can't really think of a better example right now. If they, If they're going to kind of turn into this Iowa type of team who – We'll have a couple of games where their offense is hitting, but they're really kind of leaning on their defense more than their offense. In a conference like the Big Ten – I'm sorry, the Big 12, I just kind of think they're kind of going to leave themselves out to dry and end up six and seven again.
1: Yeah, I think they're definitely – if they're going to get six and a half is the number, so if they're going to try to get to seven, I think it's going to be getting the offensive line back on track Uh, compared to what it was this past season, which I don't think it was too far off this past year. They did have 219 yards of rushing offense in 21, which, of course, they went 12 uh, wins that year. And then this past year, it was down to 182 yards a game, 4.4 yards. Not an awful number, but the offensive line just overall didn't perform. According to uh, Pick 6 preview, they fell 50 spots in uh, pick six previews online, run, uh, rush, push metric, and then they fell 30 spots in pass protection as well. So they were kind of an average unit after having a Joe Moore award kind of year. So I think if they can get the rushing game back on track, the offensive line, you mentioned Blake Shapin, but if they can get that running game going and Blake Shapin can play off of that, I think that would be a big way for them to go offensively to getting to those seven wins. Um, But they do have a lot to replace on defense, only five guys coming back. So I think if the losses on that side of the ball are too much to overcome, then they could be in a position of, um, of not being able to reach those seven wins even though Dave Naranda is as good of a defensive coordinator as he is, you got to have the guys to be able to play, and he's lost uh, quite a few guys uh, on that side of the ball for Baylor. So I think uh, defensively, the attrition there could be too much. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Um, So next is the team that a lot of folks are kind of buying into. They're saying could be this year's TCU. Um, and that's Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, but I'm going to let you start us off with them because I, I actually have quite a bit to talk about with them.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, so I've I've got seven and a half as the win total. And I'm thinking if Tyler Shuck can, say, can stay healthy, this will go a long way. They won eight games last year, Robbo, with three different guys playing quarterback. Donovan Smith, Tyler Shuck, and then, um, Brennan Morton also played quarterback and 169 pass attempts or more for all three of them. So, I mean, they had a significant amount of time with three different guys who all turned out to be fairly okay, um, in, in their own individual ways. But Tyler Shuck was a little bit of the better one, especially towards the latter half of the year when he came back and established himself as the guy. Um, this was a Texas Tech team that I think was able to finish the year kind of on a strong note with three straight wins over Kansas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma, a 51 to 48 shootout with Oklahoma. If they can continue, uh, if Tyler Shuck can stay healthy, this offense can stay on track uh, from that standpoint, then yeah, I think it's going to go a long way. They get all their receivers back, they get their leading running back back as well. So, Um, Tyler Shucks just got to stay healthy as he's, uh, it feels like he's been banged up for a good portion of his career. If they can keep him healthy, then, um, I think they'll go a long way. Um, if they don't make it, it's because, well, I think it would be because that offensive line doesn't progress the way that they want it to, or are going to need it to this upcoming season. They've got to be able to protect, uh, Shuck for all the reasons we, um, alluded to just a second ago, but then also you want to be able to get that ground game going, do what you got to do on that side of the football. But, um, yeah, offensive line doesn't progress. I think this offense has to slow down again. I think you you can consider yourself kind of lucky for winning eight games with three different quarterbacks. That doesn't very, happen very often. If they have to go through something like that again where the quarterback position, there's a little bit of a revolving door there, then uh, then that could that could hold you back.
0: Spencer, Texas Tech has a really good chance to hit their over as of right now, until we see something for Morton. They're they're gonna they're gonna get over they're gonna get over their win total if Tyler Shuck can stay healthy. Um, I I actually really really like what Kitley, their offensive coordinator, did this past year. He come, he came from Western Kentucky last year and and came in and they they had a really good they had a re- some really good play last year from this team. Um, this is not your throwaway Texas Tech team this year. They are returning eleven starters. They are returning their top five pass catchers in a very pass happy offense. They're returning their leading rusher. They are they are returning everything and anything to put on the field a very talented matchup against any team in their conference. They have an opportunity. Spencer, like I don't even need to have known about TCU last year to see that they have an opportunity for the stars to align to where this team could be in the hunt for the big 12, for the Big Twelve title, and I mean that completely. So them going over seven and a half, I think, relies on Tyler Shuck. They're the, the, the reason why they won't, the reason why they won't is because they're unable to beat the two or three teams in the conference that are usually the big dogs to them. And what I mean by that is they need to be able to, like, they play at Texas, at Baylor, at, or they play Kansas State and TCU. So, so they need to win two of those games. I really do think they have to win two of those games to show – to get that confidence, to show the rest of the conference that they are for real. But if they're unable – if they go over four in those games, Spencer, I just don't see how they get over seven wins, over seven and a half wins. Because I kind of chalk them up to losing to Oregon. But what if they don't? Like, what if they – what if they go into Laramie or Wyoming, they beat Wyoming – and they, oh, oh, Oregon comes to town the next week. And what if they beat Oregon, man? And so to me, it's kind of like this quarterback is going to take them, going to take them the distance if they, if they're able, if he's able to, if he can stay healthy, like you said, but then at the same time, the thing that will keep it from him, if they, if they don't, they're not ready for big time and they don't have that confidence to put things together.
1: I think All right, uh, so, Texas Tech has a lot of that potential. Go ahead.
0: They do. All right, Spence. So we have the Oklahoma State Cowboys next. Um, Oklahoma State did not is not coming off the best season. <laughs> like you know, I just I just thought about this. I just said those words. They were seven and six, and like everyone talks though about this Oklahoma State team last year that they went like four and eight. You know, um, they did have a lot of transfers out. They didn't have the best. Luck in certain situations, but once again, Mike Gundy continues to provide a winning season for Oklahoma State. Um, Spencer, for me, it that their win total is six, and I kind of, I kind of think the way the reason why they don't hit this is because of their schedule. Unfortunately, they go to Arizona State. They play a Kansas team, which I think is going to be good again. But they play Cincinnati. They play Oklahoma. They play BYU. They play at Iowa State. They play Kansas State, at UCF, and at Houston. I, I really do think the reason why they're not able to hit this win total is simply because I think their schedule is really hard. The the However, the way that they're able to do this is if Alan Bowman – which sounds like the most lawyer name ever. Um, if, if, if Alan Bowman and this offense can go back to what we've seen Oklahoma state be, where it didn't matter who was playing quarterback. It didn't matter who was playing wide receiver, that they were able to be a threat to no matter who they were playing. So it's not even really on Alan Bowman. It's more on this offense. I need this offense to going back to being deadly. And I think that goes back to the OC and goes back to the head coach. Can this team be deadly again? So that's my breakdown on Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually sort of just the opposite. My won't is the offense not getting back on track, which I think they desperately need to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's been two years now of sort of subpar offensive performances, including the last six games of the year last year, the offense producing zero points against Kansas State. 16, 20, 13, and 19. Last six games of the year, not being able to get over 20 points, um, 21 points or better, uh, you know, it's that's a, it's a tough pill to swallow, especially for, again, an offensive guru like Mike Gundy. Uh, and then my will is the schedule. I kind of thought that uh, that would be a spot where they would be able to go off and do the damage that they need to be able to do to get back uh, to the six wins here. I thought that they had some advantages here with, uh, with the early portion of the schedule. Um, Arkansas, the Arizona State game, I think, is a toss-up, but South Alabama, Iowa State's not... It, I think that's going to be a tough defensive game uh, compared to what or considering what we've had from Oklahoma State before. But I think you got a chance against Kansas, who is still building their program. I do think they'll be good. But there's West Virginia. There's Cincinnati, who's replacing a head coach, as well as a lot of talent. There's uh, Houston, as well. That's kind of their head coach is on the hot seat, I think, there with Dana Holgerson. I think there are some opportunities here uh, in this schedule for them to go and get their, their six wins there. Um, especially again, like if you said with Alan Bowman at the head of the quarterback or the offense, maybe that's where uh, they start to pick things up and get back on track. I can't imagine two years in a row, Mike Gundy is going to let this offense continue to to sputter. Maybe yeah. Spencer Sanders had more to do with that than um, than we realize.
0: No, I think that's good. Uh, Spencer, next is uh. uh I mean, it's just so weird saying this because these teams are coming in. The UCF Golden Knights, or UCF Knights, you start us off with
1: them. Yeah, so I think the will is going to have a lot to do with if Miles, or uh, not Miles, but <laughs> that's basketball player, John Reese Plumley can be a consistent passer. And I don't think he's super far off from that he's done a 63% pass completion i believe this past year yeah 63% but he's got to cut down on the interceptions and they got to find more scoring opportunities through the air and so i guess that's more of what i'm getting at when i mentioned john rice plumley as a throwing the ball quarterback gus melzon in this offense has got to be able to get more out of him from that standpoint his athleticism as a runner is is no doubt but when Uh, Cam Newton took over this offense for one year at Auburn and went the whole way. He was doing it on the ground, and he was doing it just as much through the air as he was on the ground. And I think even a Nick Marshall, uh, when he took this team to the national championship or this offense to the national championship, he was, uh, again, he was getting it done enough through the air. John Rice Plumlee is going to have to be able to do that. If they want to reach seven wins, uh, John Rice Plumlee has got to be, a more consistent passer scoring wise, especially from a scoring standpoint. And then the not making it, they won't make their seven wins. If uh, the fact that the schedule catches up to them, no back-to-back home games for uh, UCF this year, road games, um, five out of six of them are going to be really tough contest as well. So, you're not only taking a step up in competition, but then you're also getting or catching the fact that this schedule is going to be Kent State and then at Boise State, Villanova, an FCS program, of course, and then at Kansas State, home against Baylor, back to Kansas for the Jayhawks on October 7th, by week, then back on the road to Norman, Oklahoma, home against West Virginia at Cincinnati, so to Ohio, from again, you know, middle Florida and then Oklahoma State at home over to Lubbock, Texas, and then Houston at home to finish the year. So, no back to back home games. I think that could be something that catches up to you when you're a program that is taking the step up to uh, the tougher competition week in and week out Oklahoma, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Houston. You know those being programs, a few of those at least being programs uh, that are going to be, you know, bigger bodies on top of you all the time. Especially that stretch, September twenty third all the way down to October twenty first. Kansas State, Baylor, Kansas Byweek, week, Oklahoma. That could be really that could be really damning to you if you're if you're not able to keep up from a body attrition kind of standpoint. The the tough grind of the schedule.
0: I think what also sucks for them is that every every tough game, every tough team they have is at their house. They don't have a tough. They don't have a t- one of the tough games coming to them. They don't have Kansas State coming to them. They don't have Oklahoma coming to them. They don't have Cincinnati coming to them, or, or and they don't have Texas Tech coming to them. They go all to those places. Um, however, for Sp- Spencer, I, I know that I said this. I, I said a, a unique thing with Colorado you know with the Pac-12 how they're going to have to like maybe trick their way into winning, you know, they're over. I don't think tricking is the term I'm going to use here. I think that they're going to be able to get over their 7, get their over their 7 wins if Gus Malzahn continues to do what he does, which is upset teams he's not supposed to beat. He is infamous for this. He has spent years spoiling teams' seasons. At Auburn or at UCF, and he's just so freaking good at it. I think they can. I think they get over a seven because Gus Malzahn's a really good coach, and they're able to beat teams that they shouldn't. The way they won't be able to do this, Spencer, is if their defense is not ready for the type of offenses they're going to play in the Big Ten or Big Twelve. I keep doing that crap. Yep. I really do think. Now the good thing for them is that they play three. They uh, They play two others two other outsiders that are coming in to the Big 12 this year, but I don't know if their defense is, is going to be built up enough or ready for the type of firepower and diversity that is in the offenses in the Big 12. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at with them. Do, do you agree, disagree with anything I just said?
1: Nope. I like all of that. I think you're – um your UCF, your Cincinnati, your Houston—you're all in this sort of similar boat of bigger competition, week in and week out, bigger bodies on a consistent basis that you're having to to go up against. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely has to be a real hurdle for all these programs to overcome. All right, Spence,
0: we're gonna to try to press the 1.25 uh, speed on this. To hurry it up a little bit. Um, next is Iowa State. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of down on Iowa State, just in the sense of I don't think they're going to really be much in the hunt or threatening to a lot of teams. But their win total is only six. They've got the Cy-Hawk Trophy this year at home. They still play Northern Iowa. They play Ohio, um, Oklahoma State, TCU, Kansas at BYU. Those are kind of those games that could be winnable for them. They were 9 on offense Spencer and I think that's kind of where I'm leaning on the positive and how they're going to be able to do this. They were turning uh, like I forgot that Hunter Decker's um their their sophomore quarterback he threw for over 3000 yards last year. He threw for 19 touchdowns but again, threw for only threw for 14 interceptions as well. I think the way they're able to do this is is Hunter Decker Decker's if he's able to improve Um, And as a quarterback and as a leader for this team, they're not going to be able to do this, Spencer, if their defense doesn't be who we've seen them be under Matt Campbell. If they can't if they can't continue or if they continue to take this step back defensively and not really be much of a threat on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're going to continue to be a,
1: a sub six win team. So I actually don't have anything written down for Iowa State because I kind of have them up in the air. Um, Hunter Decker, along with several others, uh, maybe it's about four or five other guys, all guys that are expected to be starters, uh, all got in trouble for that gambling on their own team Mm. and are facing uh, potential suspensions, um, could be in trouble pretty big time for all of that, depending on what gets found. Now, on one hand, you might have all those guys still play because it's the NCAA. Uh, well, maybe it's not the NCAA. Maybe it's the 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 folks that are in charge of all of the the gambling stuff there in Iowa. But either way, you could end up Iowa State could be a program that ends up missing out on several key guys, including Hunter Decker, as well as Isaiah Lee, who is one of their nose guards. Um, I believe one of their tight ends is is uh, a part of the the gambling as well as one of their offensive linemen. So all guys that are expected to be starters this upcoming season, I had a hard time writing down anything for Iowa State just because it feels like this is one of those things that could really you know, just throw your season off the rails. Uh, divide a locker room is what I'm thinking potentially could be at play here for Iowa State. There's all sorts of other things that are just kind of like, kind of like how we did with Arizona State last year. It was just sort of I don't know what to do with this. I'm kind of in the same boat with uh with Iowa State, unfortunately, because I do like my, Matt Campbell and I would like to see this program be, get back on track. But um, this could be another unavoidable pothole for the Cyclones.
0: Yeah, I man. I just let me let me just ask you a quick question. I know we're trying to uh, hurry but like do you do you kind of feel like Matt Campbell lost his window
1: to take a bigger job? Yeah. I don't know cuz I always got the impression that he didn't want a bigger job. That okay. uh, outside of he would he would take a bigger job I think if it was the right bigger job. That he was not just going to take any bigger job. Um but I, but I felt like I got the impression that he didn't necessarily want all the extra stuff that comes along with an Iowa, with a Ohio State or a Michigan or things along those lines. He was not necessarily on board for that level of recruiting. He wasn't necessarily on board with that level of fundraising and all of the extra stuff that goes along. With those kinds of jobs, so I feel I feel like your answer is yes, but then it's sort of no because I don't know if he wants a bigger job.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Next, Spencer is a team that you and I kind of like fell in love with as the season went on, um, and I was really kind of I was super bummed when Jalen Daniels got hurt uh, in the in last year because I really do think. His injury hindered them the rest of the year, um, and that's sure. the Kansas. Is that that's the Kansas Jayhawks. I, Switzer, I, I, for me, it this is plain and simple. The way they get over six wins and the way they beat teams last year, like they that like they were. I'm sorry, they beat teams they're not supposed to, just like they did last year. And they're as entertaining as they were last year. The way they do that is keep Jalen Daniels healthy. Simple as that. Jalen Daniels is an incredible for Kansas. He is a generational talent for Kansas. And they have to keep him healthy. And if they're able to keep him healthy, that is how they win this. That is how they win these games, because I don't think it matters if they go on the road or if they're at home. With him at the helm, and he's healthy, they can win. And on the inverse of this, they don't break that, they don't win the over six games if they let him get hurt and get beat up and they try to bring him back too early and he gets hurt again. That is how they're going to cripple themselves and not win their games that that they need to. I know that's really kind of simple and maybe be a little elementary, but that's kind of where I came down with Kansas. It came down all down to their incredible quarterback play.
1: It just feels like they just need to kind of pick up where they left off kind of what i have written down for for kansas in a lot of ways um you look at the after they after they started off what five and oh and then won against oklahoma state a little later on in the season those losses still 31 points 42 points only 23 against baylor but then 28 points you had 14 points against texas and 27 against kansas state and that might have been some of that time where daniels was injured so um yeah i think the I think with him sidelined and even in those losses with him, you still had an offense that was moving along, uh, which is a good sign, I think, for the future. That, hey, maybe we don't have to. This isn't a Jalen Daniels-only kind of a system, and we can win maybe a little bit without him or produce a little bit without him. But, yeah, no, I think going forward, you you definitely have to keep him safe um, as best as you possibly can. Uh, this offense sort of – Relies on the quarterback running and moving and going. So, uh, but yeah, Jalen Daniels and this offense sort of picking up where they left off has got to go a long way for Kansas getting back to six wins.
0: And I really hope they do. I, I, I really just continue I, to be fun. Yeah,
1: just yeah, continue I, to be fun.
0: I, I just really enjoyed watching them play last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it was some of the most fun I've ever seen with Kansas, especially since that, like that 2005, 2007 era with them. All right, next. Um, so I don't know if you knew this, Spencer, because we don't have video on. Um, every every game, or I'm sorry, every conference that we have covered, I have wore a hat for a team from that conference that I own. Um, today, I'm wearing a BYU Cougars hat. And I really like BYU Cougars coming into this conference when they are. Um, they're, they're over under is five and a half. I, I really do think that they could do, I think they could go over five and a half. I think their schedule could help them do that. They could just, because they're, they're really just looking for six wins. And I think they do that with, with Keaton Slovis, who is very talented. He's a very talented quarterback, BYU's uh, quarterback or BYU's coaches, um, Uh, Kalani Satake has done just a great job in Provo. Their home field advantage is is way better than people give them credit for. And they host Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. Spencer, all they have to do is win five of those games at home and then just get somebody on the road. Oh, I'm sorry. And they host TCU. Uh, Like, all they have to do is just get five of those wins and then get somebody on the road, and that's over six. And I think they do that with Keaton Slovis and kind of like the, the UCF kind of role here, but not as much. And I'll explain. The way they don't is if they're not ready to play this kind of football week in and week out. Now, the only reason why I said maybe not this, maybe not this team because BYU is known for playing a lot of Power 5 teams. They play a lot of Power 5 teams every year. I mean, just like last year, USF, Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas. Like, those are the kind of teams they play every year. With that said, though, week in and week out, playing these Power 5 teams, I think it them not being up for the challenge is why they're unable to hit that 5.5 win spot.
1: Yeah, so I have Slovis and the and the wide receivers for this offense uh, as, as my will here. Uh, also, I think the opportunity, it feels like there's a lot of the the odds makers in the Big 12 have a lot of, you know, they're, they're pulling, they're really trying to get you to go with the overs. Feels like everybody has some opportunities, and maybe that this league is just sort of tight in the middle. Uh, there's only a, you know, it's kind of top heavy, but then, you know, really tight the rest of the way. Uh, in that middle section, and anybody's sort of jockeying for position have some opportunities to take advantage. And BYU could be one of those places because they've been a team that has, it feels like BYU's done a good job in the past of taking on bigger programs and doing well. Maybe not always winning, but at least stacking up and doing well. They play a a hardcore kind of style of football. They want to hit you in the mouth. They want to kind of play big, grown-up football. And maybe that does translate well into the next level. Uh, It's just, you know, can they hold up over the course of the season? So um, I like your idea of uh, Keaton Slovis and the wide receivers on offense. Um, But I think last year they had a lot of returning starters on defense. That number was 10 and that group didn't quite improve the way that they wanted to. I actually um, slid backwards from about 25 points a game to 30, 389 yards of offense allowed up to 408. So they slid backwards in at least those two main categories as well as some several others. Uh, they've got seven returning starters on defense this year. You kind of want to see maybe some the new faces, those starters that are back. You know, now for twice in a row, those guys that were scoring a little bit, those guys really step up and, and play better uh, in you know their second year back trying to get back into form. So um, I think if the starters on defense continue to struggle, the returning starters on defense continue to struggle, then that could be how they don't make up uh, their five and a half or six uh, win total.
0: Okay, um, Spencer. Next is the West Virginia Mountaineers, and I'm gonna tell you, I kind of was like you with Iowa State. I think I don't really have anything. Yeah, I, I really don't freaking know <laughs> because I think their coach is gonna get fired. Um, I don't know when. I I know that these guys lost their six top their top six wide receivers. I know they brought some transfers in. I, I I guess they believe, you know, in Garrett Green. Uh, I mean, they lose JT Daniels, um, you know, the transfer portal journeyman who's now at Rice. Um, yeah, I just – I'm sorry. This is going to sound so, so disrespectful for West Virginia. I just kind of don't know what – I don't know what this team is. I don't know what they can be this year. I don't – I think they're going to lose their coach. But I guess if I was going to say – the way they're able to get over five and a half wins is if Neil Brown can all of a sudden become the coach everyone expected him to be when he got there. Because if you remember, they, they were expecting big things from Neil Brown when he got there.
1: And. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he was coming from what UAB and yeah. Troy uh, had and Troy. very successful. Yeah. Troy, Troy, not yeah, UAB, yeah, Troy. Yeah. And yeah, it had been very successful there. And. Yeah, it is. It is just not panned out, and it was really weird because they beat Baylor forty-three to forty, uh, but then they lose games to Texas Tech forty-eight to ten. You know, and and that's in two weeks. There, you score forty-three points one week, and only ten the next week, and then you explode for thirty-one, and then it's back to fourteen. So, yeah, it was just really, you know, really odd for them offensively. There is mention that they're kind of building the offense for this year around the strengths of the of the personnel, which might mean a little bit more uh, two tight ends, run the football kind of stuff. C.J. Donaldson, if they're going to get to six wins, I think the success and the carrying of the offense for C.J. Donaldson will go a long way to making that happen. He's the running back that's back from last year, or one of the running backs that's back from last year. 500 yards, eight touchdowns, and six yards per carry on 87 carries. There are some guys behind him, uh, Justin Johnson, who had 98 carries for 4.4 yards a clip. So if those guys can get going, but mainly Donaldson and build build around him and go with this run-heavy offense, maybe that's a way that this takes place for uh, West Virginia. They won't make this happen if Neil Brown's emphasis on the three E's falls through. He's wanting to be more efficient on third downs and red zone, more explosive from a defensive standpoint, so limiting long explosive plays, and then eliminating errors such as pre-stap alignments and missed tackles and such. So if if his emphasis on those three things fails then I think this would be you know kind of back to uh, a really rough year 5 and 7 perhaps and you know a, a fired coach. Yeah.
0: How long do you think he lasts?
1: Ooh, let me get the schedule in front of me. Uh well if it's if it's ugly in Happy Valley if it's a uh, unhappy and happy valley it it could ha- shoot it could happen by the end of uh, by the end of <laughs> september and it could happen uh, after penn state yeah. i mean if it's ugly if they blow them out if it's a 45 to nothing kind of thing because everybody mm-hmm. loves penn state rob if that I mean, happens I'm one of them yeah i know yeah you got beat by texas tech last year 38 to 10 if you get blown out and and don't score anything and you've reverted to sort of an old school looking offense, and that offense doesn't produce anything in week one. Yeah, you you could be done in week one. I think. Oh,
0: that's so just dis- that's whew, that's that's scary, very disheartening. I hope it, it doesn't happen. But yeah, man, um, I, I you. Oh. Yeah, I just I remember when he came in, like, man, everyone was so excited. Um, all right. So, last two, Spencer, and then, and then we're out of here. Uh, the Houston Cougars, another team whose coach is not expected to last the season, um, which is sad. But um, the Houston Cougars come into this year. They're coming into the Big 12, the new kids on the block. They're known for every freaking year playing five or six of the teams from the Big 12, so I almost feel like <laughs> they belong already. Um, Spencer, though, for, for me when when i look at this team do they they have they had to return i mean they are they lost so much of key positions they lost their their number one passer their number one rusher and their top two pass catchers um they're they're losing their top six tacklers on defense they're only returning five often on five on offense seven on defense but to hit their hit their over under um and of course i didn't have it directly in front of me um, of five wins. Five. Yeah. Five yeah, wins. Five, sorry. No, no, it's okay. Uh, Spencer. I really just think it's, it's because Donovan Smith is able to the, tra- I think he's a transfer.
1: Um, he yeah, is from Texas tech.
0: Yeah. A transfer from Texas tech. I, I think, I, I think they're able to hit five and a half or hit over five wins. Just if their offense is able to be deadly on the field, you know, I, we have not seen that yet. We have not seen Daner Holgerson have that elite offense that we've been waiting so long for him to have. I mean, they had it in 21. I, You know what? I, I, I'll take that back. They did have it in, in 21 um, where they went 12-2, and two, but we haven't really seen it since then. And, and I kind of hope that Donovan Smith can help that, that reemergence of that awesome offense by Houston. Here's how they don't, though, Spencer. If they can't, Freaking play defense. That's how. That's how they don't do this. They only let. There's only one team who didn't score more than 27 points on them last year, and that was East Carolina. Everyone else scored 27 points or more on them. They their defense has to be better, and it's as simple as that. Navy had 20. Oh. Okay. only one other
1: school. It's only one other school. Your point remains.
0: Then then why say it? (laughs) You you piece of crap.
1: (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, Yeah, it's weird to say Dana Holgerson's on the verge of being fired and he's got 20 wins in the last two years. I know. Um, But obviously (laughs) I think it comes down to sort of like how Mark Rick was at Georgia. It wasn't the fact that you – it wasn't who you were beating. It was who you were losing to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas Tech in double overtime, Kansas, Tulane in overtime, and then a marathon with SMU 77-63, and then Tulsa at the end of the year. Going from 12-2 and and then reverting backwards and losing to some of the better competition on your schedule, that is a, a pause for concern when you're about to go into a tougher conference. So I think that's where some of that hot seat for Dana Holgerson comes into play and I wouldn't be surprised that there's stuff off the field, but I'm not going to go too far into that if that's inaccurate. But if something tells me there was one or two things, you know, not like scandalous, but just like comments and different things that maybe just aren't um, being received as well. Uh, But yeah, Donovan Smith is the quarterback. There's plenty of reason to think the offense can go Rob. I think, uh, you know, 36 points a game the last two years, so I think there's plenty of reason to believe that side of the ball can go, but you're right. It, it's got to be. It's got to start defensively. Thirty-two points a game last year. You gave up seventy-seven to somebody. You gave up that's seventy-seven. A, I that's, mean, that's that's a tough. To SMU, man. God, man, that SMU team. <laughs> like I was gonna say, SMU. That that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like freaking ten. If more, anybody's gonna go get seventy-seven, then.
0: Dude, I feel more and more – the more and more I've gotten away from our, our Big Ten preview, I, I am – which I don't even think it's posted yet. I am so excited about our Wisconsin pick, <laughs> about about Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin. Dude, yeah. he's going to light it up in the Big Ten. I, anyway, I'm sorry. Is, is that all you had for Houston, bud? Uh,
1: yeah, I think we're going to need the offensive line to develop. Yep. A little bit here. Yep. You want to protect Donovan Smith, um, but I think they will. If Donovan Smith shines, there's plenty of reason. He got a lot of passing opportunities last year at Texas Tech. Dana Holgerson still does really good on, on the offensive side of the football, but uh, they won't if the offensive line doesn't develop. I think a guy like Donovan Smith um, and, and any quarterback needs a good offensive line in front of them, but if Donovan maybe isn't the most accurate guy or he's struggling a little bit, Obviously, all of that can be compounded by a poor offensive line.
0: All right, Spence. Last team. I feel like we've been here for a year, um, but it hasn't been that long. We got the Cincinnati Bearcats. Oh. Their head coach, Scott Satterfield, coming in. Um, he is, uh, he was at, at Louisville, comes from Louisville. Goes to Cincinnati. It kind of, kind of get the feeling after doing some research on this that people were ready for him to leave Louisville. Um, maybe not the the best exit over there. Um, for them,
1: I get the impression Rob, it was sort of was it uh, they wanted Satterfield to leave, or did they? I think they were kind of ready for Jeff Brom. Maybe it was a little bit of both. Yeah. But it definitely felt like Satterfield flirted with another job, which yep. didn't help his case. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you're right on they were ready for him to go. And I think they were equally ready to have Jeff Braum back home. Yeah.
0: No, I think you're right. Um Cincinnati, unfortunately, like I wish folks that I had some incredible insight for you that I had some awesome, what positive thing to throw at you about this team? Their win total is five and a half. They won three games last year. I do think they, I think they gave up, um, or I mean, actually, like, I apologize, that is not right. Uh, since they they went nine and four last year, they're only returning three on offense, is what I was trying to get at. They don't that was return quite on- the number to get mixed up. Yeah, my yeah, my fault, man. Um, my notes, uh, my notes are very messy. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Uh but it it does for for me Cincinnati is the biggest culprit of the you haven't played a big a, a a power 5 schedule like this before. That that is where I'm at with Cincinnati. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying they won't, but when you come when you come from a former conference where you're not having to just get, you know, just you're thumping every single week against big, big boy schools. I really do think that they deserve to be in the playoff, you know, a couple years ago when when they got in, I, I, I've I've never belittled Cincinnati for, for getting in there. However, I just, you're only returning three starters. You got a new coach coming in who may not have had the best time at Louisville. I don't know if If right now, if this year is the year for this to happen, and so I, I think that that this they don't hit the five and a half if they're just if there's just too much, too much attrition, too much for them to overcome, too much for them to be able to 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 just figure out before things get out of hand and they get into the meat of their schedule. The way that they are able to is if they're able to have like they've got a super senior quarterback in Emory Jones. Yes, that Emory Jones from the University of Florida. If they're able to have Emory Jones come in and kind of right the ship for them, be that just be that it's kind of like a lot of NFL teams do this when they're kind of young, but they need they need a senior presence. So they'll go get the 15 or 16 year vet you know, for the defensive line or for the offensive line just to fill a role and, and help balance the ship out. And I kind of think Emory Jones can be that for them this year. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think maybe being in Satterfield's offense where Malik Cunningham, uh, um, a mobile quarterback, had a lot of success, maybe this could be the right match for uh, for Emory Jones. It, it kind of took a while to find it. Maybe it felt like being down at Florida with with Dan Mullen that that was going to work, and maybe Dan Mullen, sort of like with Anthony Richardson, kind of sold Emory Jones up the, up the road a little bit. Maybe didn't quite develop him, even though he kind of stuck with him a little bit, so that's kind of a weird way to say that. Yeah. But either way, you think maybe this will be back a return back to a familiar looking offense that can rely on his legs a little bit more um, and do some of the things that are to his strength. So I do think if Cincinnati were to get the wins that they want to get this year, um, six, six wins relying on Emory Jones, being able to rely on Emory Jones because Jones has certainly shown us at different times this year that he's not the guy that you can, you can lean on whether it was Florida or it was Arizona State. He's not always shown up as the guy that uh, you know. Maybe he was projected to be coming out of high school here in uh, Georgia high school football. Um, they can maybe make this happen if the if the unit up front on defense is something that uh, fall or excuse me, reverse that. Emory Jones. If they can lean on Emory Jones, that's how they will. They won't if the defense up front is unreliable themselves. The defensive line uh, is going to have to be a strength. They return a pair of all-conference members in Jawan Briggs and Dante Corallone, Corallone, uh, who uh, also got some All-American honors in 2022. Um, so they need that front group to really step up and kind of carry the defense Going forward uh, for this upcoming season, if they're going to try to make any headway, but I, I agree with you, Rob, as well as others who have said things along the lines of you're, you've exited a lot of talent to the NFL over the last three or four years, and now you're exiting your super developmental guru in Luke Fickle, and you're changing conferences. Like that's a recipe for you know a setback. Uh, so this could be a nine-win team that, that drops down to, to four or three wins um, if if they're not careful.
0: All right, Spence, moment of truth. Who Who are you picking to be in the conference, and who do you pick to win? I mean, who's going to be in the conference championship game, and who do you pick to win?
1: So give me Texas and Kansas State, and I'll take Texas to win the whole thing. Say that. Say those two teams one more time. Texas and Kansas State for the uh, for the championship game,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, and Kansas State will have a chance to defend their title uh, from last year. But um, I think Texas has enough firepower to. If any team can make the game what they want it to be versus Kansas State. I think maybe Texas is the most equipped to do that in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like how we stated earlier with Kansas State, sort of they they turn the game into what they want, and they do that really well, and they're going to do that against most anybody. And they're probably capable of doing it against Texas. But if any team is capable of turning the tables, it might end up being uh, Steve Sarkeesian and, and Quinn Ewers in the bunch especially if that offensive line plays like they're supposed to that could go a long way to to turning the tide in any game into your favor if you can win the trenches
0: um no i think it's good i, I think mm, no two teams have really been the same in that co- in that conference championship for a while
1: um Give me yeah, Texas. The, the, the Big Twelve, yeah. The Big Twelve has been very weird, very wishy-washy. Yeah. Give
0: Give me, you know what, Spencer. Let me give me Texas and give me Texas Tech
1: in the conference championship,
0: but give me Texas to win the title. Okay. I mean, yeah, the Big Twelve, not not the national title. <laughs> Let's of not get crazy. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: okay. Yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, Spencer. I'm I'm Spencer.
1: That is a big conference. Yes, I'm I'm ready to go to bed as well. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later.